you turn with me in the scriptures this evening to a couple of openings, we're going to uh, Hebrews 7 and we're going to 2 Corinthians 6. Hebrews 7 and 2 Corinthians 6. Now we began some weeks ago on this series that we're calling Separate from Sin. Separate from Sin. Anytime you start talking about sin, people... uh, you know, don't know what to think sometimes. They generally look at it as a negative in talking about the subject at all. But if there had not been any sin, there wouldn't have been any need for Jesus to come. Right? Sin is a huge issue with mankind. Now, thank God for us who believe it's not an issue. Jesus has taken care of the sin problem. But you and I have the responsibility of walking uprightly before him in what he's given us freely through the blood. Now let's look here in Hebrews 7, then we'll just go directly to 2 Corinthians 6. Hebrews 7, 25 and 26 in the Amplified I'm reading, he said, he's able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he's always living to make petition to God and intercede with him and intervene for them. Here is the high priest, perfectly adapted to our needs as was fitting, holy, blameless, unstained by sin, separated from sinners, and exalted higher than the heavens. Jesus is holy blameless, unstained by sin, separate from sin, hallelujah, exalted higher than the heavens. And is he not our ultimate example? Are we to be like him? Had a fellow send me word one time, he said, well, you're just trying to act like Jesus. (laughs) And I said, well, I thought that was the idea. Right? Didn't 1 John 2, 6 say, He that says he abides in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. If you say you're in Christ, what did he say? You ought to walk just like him. Now that's a higher call than a lot of people won't even believe is possible. But the Lord wouldn't tell us to do something that's impossible. Sometimes people say, well, yeah, but... (laughs) I've already blown it. I've already sinned. I've had sometimes people tell me, yeah, but then Brother Key, you just don't know what I've done. And I'll tell them right back, yeah, and you just don't know how powerful the blood is. Because it doesn't matter what you've done. The blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin and unrighteousness. And no matter how many times you've blown it or missed it, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you. And if you'll receive that, then you stand up from that place of repentance as though you had never sinned. Clean. Right? Well, then is it possible to walk like him? 
Yes, but only by faith in his blood. Only by receiving his righteousness. Because we couldn't create enough of our own. Right? Sometimes people have not understood. They think somebody standing up saying, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. They think that's a terribly proud, egotistical thing to say. How dare you? Jesus is righteous. But it's a very humble thing to say. What you're saying is, there was nothing I could do, ever, to make myself righteous before God. So Jesus gave me his righteousness. Hallelujah. And that's why I can be accepted before God because he's already accepted Jesus. And I am in him. Hallelujah. So his righteousness is mine. I didn't earn it. You didn't earn it. We just accepted it. We received it as a free gift by faith. How many can say out loud, I know I'm saved. I know I'm clean. I know I'm righteous. And it's all because of him. It's what he did. Not what we did. Now uh, go back to 2 Corinthians please. If you're holding your place there. 2 Corinthians 6. This is one of our main texts on this series. 2 Corinthians 6. Beginning in verse 14, and I'm reading from the New Living. You read whatever you've got. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 says, Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can goodness be a partner with wickedness? What's the answer? Can't. How can light live with darkness? What's the answer? Can't. Doesn't work. What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How much? None. We've been through this before, but the reason I keep saying it, because there are so many confused Christians that have some degree of a doctrine that God is working with the devil or using the devil. He's working with the devil. There is no harmony between God and the devil. They are not working together. If they are, we've had it. If God and the devil is working together, we might as well quit now. We're done. No, God is for us. The enemy is against us. But if God be for you, (laughs) who can successfully be against you? Certainly not a stripped, brought to naught, eternally defeated under our feet one. No. Well, the devil ain't what he used to be. And he ain't what he cracks himself up to be. He wants you and I to believe he's some virtual equal opposite with God. Oh, no. He is a fallen created being. He's stripped. And his time is very short. Won't be long. He'll be out of here. He said, how can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? Doesn't work. What union can there be between God's temple and idols? No. For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I'll live in them and walk among them. I'll be their God. They'll be my people. Therefore, because of that, because righteousness and unrighteousness don't work together, Christ and the devil don't work together, because of that, come out from them. Them what? 
Well, you got to go back up the list here. The devil's things, idolatrous things, unbelief things, darkness things, right? Come out from all that and separate yourselves from them. You know, people go all kind of different directions in talking about holiness. But uh, Brother Hagin said this one time, it stuck with me. He said, holiness is Christ-likeness. And well, to me, that just sums it up. It's not somebody's dress code. It's not somebody's rules of do's and don'ts. And if you've been with us for any length of time, you've seen one of our major definitions that we've talked about for what sin is. Sin is violation of light. Well, not everybody has the same light at the same time, right? And so that's what's confusing to some people. They think, well, I don't understand. I mean, I know that's wrong. Why don't they know it? Well, just a few years back, you didn't see some things, right? How many of you have been saved for longer than a year or two? And looking back now, there were some things you were doing that after you first got saved, you didn't see anything wrong with it at the time. See, hands all over the place. But in the process of time, you grew and you got light and you thought, well, no, I need to quit that. Right? They dropped that off. But do you understand, there wouldn't have been any need. Maybe somebody did, but it wasn't right for somebody to condemn you for that when you didn't see it. And uh, so much that's preached from pulpits is condemnation and judging. And that's not right. That's not the Bible. And it's not our job to point everybody's mistakes out to them. You know, I've even dealt with pastors before. That they tried to tell me they thought it was their job to show other ministers and show other people where they were wrong. Well, God ain't made anybody the Holy Ghost policeman (laughs) of the body of Christ. There's another word for that. Judging. And we do have scripture for that. What did it say? (laughs) Don't do that, right? Judge not, lest you get judged. It's the universal law of sowing and reaping. Nobody you know, no preacher you've ever heard is right about everything. That includes you. Why? Well, even Paul, the apostle says, we know in part. Here's a man who's seen Jesus face to face on the road to Damascus. He's been caught up to the third heaven. He's got revelation galore. And he says, you know, we just know part. What does that mean? It means there's parts uh, we don't know. And it's those parts we don't know about that you could be wrong. Jump to wrong conclusions and that kind of thing. So it's not for us to judge each other because you really don't know what light somebody has on the inside. But how many know it's a full-time job walking in the light you got? <laughs> walking in all the light you got every day and night will keep you occupied. And you know, the Bible says that the people who are judges are not doers. Read James 4 carefully sometime. James 2 and, and 3 and 4 through there carefully. And then Romans, the second chapter, carefully. You'll see what I'm talking about. The Bible says if you judge somebody, you are guilty of the same thing. Not those people don't think so because they think, well, I didn't do that thing. No, but the spiritual thing you are guilty of. 
If you judge, you're not a doer. Doers are not judges. Judges are not doers. I had the privilege of working in the healing school at the Hagen Ministry for a number of years. And uh, once in a while, some young whippersnappers had come through. And they're wanting to help some of these folk that we're ministering to. And they're like, well, quit messing with this thing. Just kick the devil in the face and grab your healing and go on. And some of them you had to sit down and go, now what have you ever overcome? You ever been in a wheelchair? Well, no. Well, then you don't know what you're talking about. You ever overcome cancer? Well, I had a bad call one time. How many know what I'm talking about? I said, you need to be quiet. Why? Because you don't know what you're talking about. We know God can do anything. All things are possible with God. But we don't receive just according to what God can do. We receive according to our faith. And it's at different levels. And I've seen people dealing with sickness, dealing with uh, so-called terminal illnesses. They just got tired and quit. And I've had maybe their kids or spouse crying at me and sometimes mad. A lot of times when people are grieving, they want to get mad. And they want to blame somebody. And they're mad at God. Now that's one of the stupidest things anybody ever got. Was mad at God. There's no telling how many millions of people in the world are mad at God tonight. And it is absolutely ignorance gone to seed. God never failed you. God never let you down. He never hurt you. He's always loved you. (laughs) Always been there for you. Right? And it just shows complete ignorance to think God's your problem. And I've had people, spouses, get mad at the person that died. Get mad at their spouse. Get mad. Well, you know, they left me. Well, you'd have to be there. I said, you'd have to. You're not the one dealing with the pain for the last nine months. There are situations you can get in. It's just easier to go home. You get tired of fooling with it. You get tired of fighting. Now having said that. Nobody has to die prematurely. With a stinking sickness and disease. No child of God has to. All things are possible to him that believes. But not everyone has received God's best. In that area or any area of life that you want to talk about. But what I'm saying is, let's say somebody could have had something that they didn't get. Is it for us to judge them? Is it for us to say something about it? I had a fellow who was a good minister. He and his wife, I mean, in some areas of ministry, just tops that I've ever seen. But they were not knowledgeable of some things about faith and about healing, maybe that some of us have been exposed to. How many know there's more in the Bible than that? There's more to life than that. But there's good people. His wife got sick 
and got worse and got worse and died. And I was having a meal with him. This had been just a few weeks after she had gone home to be with the Lord. And he was telling me, he said uh, that some of these young ministers had told him, well, you know, she was robbed and she could have had this and she'd have had more faith, you know, that she'd have got this. And he was crying. He said, I did everything I knew to do. Well, now here are some things we need to understand. Were these guys right to tell him those things? No, they were not. Even if what they told him was true, they missed it. Are y'all listening now? Why? He looked at me with tears. He said, that don't help me, Brother Keith. That didn't help me. Well, see, love wants to help, not hurt. And there are times in life where it may be obvious, something may be obvious, but it is not time to bring it up. It's just not time to talk about it. Are you with me? Who's it going to help to bring it up or talk about it? The important thing now is who are we beside? The Bible said, love your neighbor. That literally talks about your nearby. (laughs) Who do you happen to be with? What's going to help them? It's not just what you know. It's what will they receive? What can they receive right now? And the Holy Ghost knows that in every situation. And if we'll listen to him, he'll show us. And you just love people. Right? And tell them what will help. And you may know all kind of other things, but that don't mean you're supposed to talk about them or bring them up or at all. I don't know why I got into all that, but we did. And somebody said, well, what if somebody was robbed? Won't be long. This life's going to be over anyway. (laughs) I mean, if you live down here to be a hundred plus, it's nothing. It's a vapor. It's here. It's gone. And if you know they were born again, especially glory to God, it won't be long. It's a blink of an eye. You'll see them. Y'all will be having a meal together up in glory. I mean, it's no cause for the Bible said we don't have to grieve and mourn like those who have no hope. Yeah, we'll miss them. We wish we could see them. We'll shed a tear, but it shouldn't last too long. We get up and shout because we know the truth. We know, hallelujah, heaven is real. And we know they're not gone. They're not dead. Their body is laying in the ground. They're gone. They're with Jesus. They're not hurting. You wish you were doing as good as them. You wish you were having as much fun as them. Feeling sorry for them is delusion. Glory to God. Aren't you glad we know the truth? And it makes us free. Hallelujah. He said, come out from them, verse 17, and separate yourselves from them. Don't touch their filthy things and I welcome you. Verse 18, 2 Corinthians 6. I'll be your father. You'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body, our spirit, and let us work toward complete purity because we fear God. Are there things in this life that can defile us? Can defile us not only on the outside, but on the inside, he says here, flesh and spirit. 
Well, we've talked about this. And if you hadn't been with us, tapes are available. It could behoove you. Because we covered a lot of ground on what sin is and, um, you know, how to deal with it. And thank God the blood of Jesus cleanses us from sin. We've talked about these things. But for the last couple of Fridays, we've been talking about the effects of sin. How sin affects us. And there should be strong motivation to stay out of it. When you really see what it does to you. And how it cripples you. And how it kills you. Because the wages of sin is death. One thing we saw very strongly is that in sin there is delusion and deception. The more into sin you get, the dumber you get. You know what I mean by that? You don't see stuff. I mean, sometimes, you know, people talk about people committing crimes. I think, well, what were they thinking? They weren't. The more into sin you get, you don't think it through. You don't think about the other side of it. You don't have enough sense to put two and two together and make four out of it. You get duller and duller and dumber and dumber. Oh, but when you walk with the Lord, just the reverse happens. Hallelujah. On the path of the righteous. It gets brighter and brighter and brighter to the full day's sun. And you see, and the Bible said, in thy light, we see light. You get revelation, and then off of that revelation, it unfolds to more revelation. And you see that, and once you see that, it lightens up three other areas over here. Oh, hallelujah, it multiplies. Thank God for light. But light is in the path of obedience, in the path of doing right, and being right, and living right. And what does that mean? Another way of saying that, walking in the light you have, doing what you know to do. If you know it's wrong, then for you to do it is sin, right? To him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. If you can't get clear and your heart bothers you about it, the Bible said whatever's not of faith is sin. If you know it says it in the word and you go on and do it anyway, then it's sin. Well, it's going to have the effect of death and deception, the deceitfulness of sin, Hebrews talks about. Let's go on tonight further into this area. Go with me, if you would, to the book of Romans, the eighth chapter. Romans 8. Y'all believe in God with me this evening? Not just all up to me, you know. Utterance is greatly affected by the hearer. We're making progress. Mm-mm-mm. Romans, the 8th chapter, are you there? Now, we read in Romans 5 and 6 and 7. Talking about sin. There's so much in these passages about sin and about righteousness. About being wrong, being right. About sinning and about obedience. And he said, you know, among other things, he said, reckon yourself to be dead under sin. We shouted about that for half a night one time. Remember that? (laughs) Lay down, dead man. Right? If it always felt dead, you wouldn't have to treat it or count it, reckon it dead. And uh, we talked about that sin shall not reign over you. It will not rule over you. Uh, This thing, this mentality that we're just old sinners saved by grace 
and that none of us really make it through an hour without sinning some way or another is unscriptural and ungodly. It's designed to keep people in a defeatist attitude, and I can't really help it anyway, so, you know, we all sin, can't help it, we're just old sinners. That's a lie. I said, that's a lie. If you and I couldn't help from sin, we shouldn't be required to repent, because it's not our fault. Are you with me? But the very reason we have to come and confess our sin when we've missed it and ask God to forgive us is because we could have resisted. We didn't have to give in. We didn't have to yield. We could have done the right thing. Right? It's possible to go day after day and week after week and month after month and not sin. I know whole denominations don't believe that. But what does the Bible say? If the Bible says sin shall not have dominion over you, it won't rule over you, don't let it reign over you, how are we supposed to understand that? (laughs) How many believe it is possible by the power of the Word of God and the Holy Ghost inside you and some conviction and commitment, is it possible to live separate? From things that defile us and displease God. It's possible. Certainly it is. Now you've missed it and I missed it. But we didn't have to. We could have done differently. And tomorrow we can do differently. And the next day. And I tell you what. Like we were talking last week. It's just a happier life. The holiest is the happiest. The most sanctified is the most satisfied. There is no better life. The devil tries to tell you, you can't have any fun unless you sin a little bit. It's the biggest lie. It's the very thing that's destroying you. No, I tell you what's happiness, what's joy, what's peace is to lay your head on the pillow at night. And your heart's not bothering you about anything that you did or said. If you did make a mistake, you did your best to get it right and straighten it up. Wake up in the morning. It's wonderful to go to town and come back home without looking over your shoulder. It's wonderful not to spaz out if a patrolman pulls up behind you. Or you see somebody in uniform. Why? I got no contraband. (laughs) I got no stolen property. I didn't do anything illegal yesterday. How many know what I'm talking about? I mean, (laughs) that's fun living. That's good living. It's not holier than thou, superior, I'm better than somebody. It's just the way to live if you want to fully enjoy life. Now notice this in Romans 8, verse 1. Well, let me back up, let me back up. Chapter 7. He's talking about the condition of a man... Without God. And how sin. Has dominion over him. Verse 22. Of chapter 7. Romans 7 22. He said I delight in the law of God. After the inward man. But I see another law in my members. Warring against the law of my mind. Bringing me into captivity. To the law of sin. Which is in my members. Oh wretched man that I am. Is that a child of God talking? No, 
Now that's somebody without God. Somebody under the, see, he's somebody under the law, trying to keep the law, trying to do right without the power to do it. And that's when he said, the thing I didn't want to do, I wound up doing it. The thing I wanted to do, I wound up not doing. He said, I want to do right, but sin is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of this death? Do you know the answer to that question? (laughs) Who can get us out of this dilemma? He said, I thank God. He got the answer right here. I thank God. It's through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's skip down to the first verse of chapter 8. All this flows together, you know. There is therefore now, right now, no what? Condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has, hath, has already made me free from the law of sin and death. Oh, man, that's one of the greatest things you'll ever read or ever talk about or think about. We're not having to try to figure this thing out, how to get to God, how to get saved, how to overcome the sin problem. No, no. The law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has, has made me free from the law of sin and death. Said out loud, I am free. From the law law of sin and death. death. See, because of that, there is therefore now no more condemnation. Now, in talking about the effects of sin, I don't feel like you'd do the subject justice if you didn't talk about the C word, condemnation. One One of the biggest immediate results of sinning is the consequence of condemnation. You've experienced it. I've experienced it. And I'm telling you, condemnation is the confidence killer. You talk about something that will absolutely strip you of your faith. Strip you of your confidence to pray. Strip you of your confidence to resist the devil. Or to receive money to pay a bill or a healing or direction for anything. Condemnation does it. Well, if there was no other reason than this one right here. Not to sin. It would be more than enough. I said condemnation is the confidence killer. And meditating on this some more today, I got light and got light and got light. It answers so many questions as to why people are the way they are. Why you've been the way you've been negatively or I've been the way I've been. Anybody on the planet. It answers the questions why people are insecure. Why people are fearful. Why people are confused. Did you hear me? You say, well, I'm confused because I don't know enough. You're never going to know everything. 
Does that mean you have to be confused the rest of your life? No. You do not have to know everything to keep from being confused. You know him who knows everything. Right? You know he's faithful to you. Even when you don't know, you can breathe a sigh of relief and say, well, the Lord will show me what I need to know. And you can rest in the midst of all kind of stuff around about you. People are in confusion. They are in fear and insecurities because of sin. Now, when you say that, a lot of folks don't like that. But there wouldn't be any condemnation if there was not. Now, hold your place here and go over to the 14th chapter. Verse 22. Romans 14, 22. Hast thou faith? Do you have faith? Then tell everybody how much faith you've got. And they ought to have faith just like you. Some folks do that, don't they? That's what we were talking about a few minutes ago, wasn't it? Hmm? Well, bless God, why don't you just do this and quit messing around? You think you've got more faith than somebody else. What did the scripture say? What? Read the scripture now, verse 22. Hast thou faith? What? Have it to yourself. Before God. Let's see it in your life. Just believe God and don't go around telling everybody what you can do. Let's see it. Let's see it. Let's see it come to pass. Right? How many of you got a lot of talkers? Not nearly as many doers. Anybody can talk about what they're going to do. Well, bless God, if I was in that place, I'd do it like this. Well, bless God, if I was the boss, I'd do this. And I wouldn't do that. And I'd do this. And I'd do the other. Well, bless God, if I was the pastor, I'd do this. And I wouldn't do that. And I'd have this. And I'd have more of this. And I wouldn't have this. And I'd have all of this. Yeah, but why don't you have a church? <laughs> How many know what I'm talking about? See, people, you know, they're talking about what they're going to do on the 34th level and then not on the first. And you see people, you know, I have seen, I'm quoting a phrase from Brother Hagin now again. He talked about an individual that came up and wanted to straighten out this man who had was a used of God to build like 40 churches. And this young guy is trying to straighten him out. He said, never even built a chicken coop. <laughs> and he's going to tell this man. <laughs> well, you see a lot of that. Yeah. It's amazing how many people that we have had contact with that they feel led that we should do something. <laughs> You ever heard that before? Now you've got to watch this stuff. They feel led that you should do something. Well, what about what they should do? Well, where's your leading for you? No. How come we keep getting on that? Do you know? <laughs> Romans 14. Do you have faith? What? 
Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he that condemns not himself that what? Condemns not himself in that thing which he allows. Let me read another translation to you, the NIV. He said, whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. The New Living says, you may have faith to believe that there's nothing wrong with what you're doing. But keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who do not condemn themselves by doing something they know is all right. But if people have doubts about whether they should eat something they shouldn't eat it, they'd be condemned for not acting in faith. NIV says if a man has doubts, he's condemned if he eats because his eating is not from faith and everything that doesn't come from faith is sin. Condemnation. Say it out loud. Condemnation. Condemnation. Ah, Lord, help us with this. Condemnation. Go with me to 1 John, please. I got enough here for a seminar. But there's only certain parts that we should deal with right now. 1 John and the third chapter. 1 John 3. And verse uh, 19. 1 John 3.19 He said, Hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. That sounds like victorious Christian living there. Whatever you ask, you receive. That sounds like operating in your righteousness. That sounds like operating in your full authority. Operating in full faith. Confidence is another word for faith. But notice We have confidence before God if what? If our heart doesn't condemn us. What if your heart does condemn you? Then you don't have confidence before God. See, this is what some people don't understand. When they see somebody very bold in their praying, in their faith, and they get results and things happen. And a lot of times people, some folks say, well, I, I don't understand that. Who do they think they are? Well, they're beginning to find out who they are. And you have not. You still think you're an old sinner. Hmm? And if you believe you're an old sinner, you will not pray with bold faith. Go back to the book of Mark, please. No, it's Luke. Told you wrong. (laughs) Luke 5. And then while you're turning, go ahead and find Hebrews 10. And we'll just jump from one to the other. Luke 5, Hebrews 10. 
We're talking about the effects of sin. What's one of the big effects of sin? Condemnation. Now what is condemnation? The word literally means to be against or to judge against, to be down against. And it has the idea of somebody being found guilty and sentenced to the punishment for being guilty. Condemned involves feeling guilty. And of course, if you're guilty, then you deserve the punishment. And if you believe you're guilty and it punishment's coming, then there's fear. Well, if you don't deserve to be punished, if there's no punishment or destruction coming, you got nothing to be afraid of. But people are afraid. Why be afraid? If you believe there's a God, and He is the righteous judge of all the earth, and He can protect you, and if you're right with Him, then you deserve no punishment. Why would you be afraid? What would you have to fear? If you believe I'm right with him, he's not against me. He's for me. He's on my side. He sees me. He's already pronounced me innocent. He's already acquitted me of all charges. Would that make you scared? (laughs) That would make you bold to come right on in to the throne room. And sit down. That'd make you bold to look the devil right in the eye. And say, you ain't got nothing on me. You get out of my house. Get out of my life. But see, that's what churchianity has taught. Churchianity. (laughs) Religianity. Has taught, well, we've all missed it. In so many ways. And we've all come short. In so many ways. And see that is heralded. As something to aspire to. People go oh yeah bless their heart. Look they're humble. They're ignorant. And you follow them around. They're defeated. They have no confidence in their prayers. Yeah we've missed it. Yeah we've come short. But we've repented. Huh? At least I did. How about you? Huh? And we're either forgiven or we're not. We're either clean or we're not. We're either made right or we're not. And if we are, then we're innocent. Deserving of no punishment. We're not guilty. We're innocent. (laughs) Some folks got to chew on that. They're like... I know that's contrary to what you've been taught. But is what you've been taught the Bible? Or is it people preaching their experience? And preaching their feelings? The scripture said preach the word. Be instant in season out of season. Preach the word. Be nourished up with the words of faith. A real message from God does not beat you down and leave you there. Even when God corrects you. I mean, God can correct you big time. 
When he gets through with you, you want to shout. You can get spanked big time. Before it's over, you're going, thank you, Lord. I mean, I needed that. Now I can go on and get this thing done. I see where I've been blowing it. The word of God ministers faith. It encourages you. Hallelujah. But this, well, we've all missed it and we've all come so short. And and people go, yeah, sad but true. Y'all just pray that I'll hold on to the end. Well, if that's all you know, we're not making fun, but you do not get victory like that. You got to get past that. Did you hear me? Yeah, you missed it. What's new? I missed it too. That ain't no news flash. No need us all standing around crying about that. Right? We got something to shout about. Who will deliver us from this wretched body and this sin and the shortcomings? There is somebody. He's already come. Right? And the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. Glory to God. (laughs) Say that out loud. The law of the spirit of life. In Christ Jesus. Has set me free. From the law. Of sin and death. Luke 5. Did I tell you that? Are you there? Luke 5. Let me show you what condemnation does to you. In Luke 5, Jesus came by, and the boats were there, and Peter and those guys were there, cleaning their nets. He said, asked them, could he use their boat? They could have been too busy for that, couldn't they? They were tired. They've already worked all night. But they said, sure. And now he preached. And he was known to preach half a day at a time. So I don't know how long this went. And then he says, won't you get your gear back out and launch back out onto the lake? Well, they already worked all night. I mean, normally by this time, they're at home getting a nap. You're going to go back out? You already got your stuff clean and put up? You're going to get it wet again and have to redo all that? And Peter said, well, you know, we worked all night and we couldn't find any fish last night. Nevertheless, that's why this is in the book. Right? It's your word. We'll, we'll do it. So they did. Verse 6. Luke 5, 6. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes. And the net broke. Is he a net breaking? God. And they beckoned to their partners which were in the other ship, to come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships. So they began to sink. This is a net breaking. Ship sinking. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaking together. Cup running over. Blessing because that's who he is. Is he still that way? He's still that way. You know, I taught on this 
I don't know what, a couple of years ago or so at length. And, and it came up in me. I thought, well, now, Lord, don't you know when the cup is full? Wouldn't you know? I mean, he's sinking their boats. Wouldn't you know? You know how many fish to put in the boat before it starts sinking? Or before the nets break? <laughs> yeah, he knows. But he just keeps pouring it on. Why? That's his nature. I said, that's his nature. He just keeps pouring it till it runs over the side and off the table and down the floor and out the door. Till the net breaks and the ships are sinking and they're going, God, you're sinking my boat. He said, ain't my fault your boat's so small. Should have believed me for a bigger boat. I'm a big God. When I bless you, I bless you big. (laughs) It's not God's problem. And look. They, how many understand now these men are having a day. This is a day like they have never had in their entire life. And they've never heard anybody have a day like this. They're sitting there on the side of the shore with Jesus preaching out of their boat. They've heard things they've never heard. How many believe those words burned in their hearts? They're sitting there listening to the master teach. How many like to have those tapes? Well, we got some of it written right here, you know, some of it. But I'm just saying they were blessed. And then they get, how many understand this is money in the bank? This is their business. And this is a huge haul. Does God care about your business? You use your business to bless the kingdom. What's he going to do? Right here. Turn right around. And here comes more than they have ever caught. I don't think it'd be a stretch to say that they did more in one business day here than they probably did in a year put together sometimes. Or months at least. All the boats are overflowing and sinking. They got everything they could handle and then some. And look, in the midst of this, you know they're out there in the presence of the master. These words are still burning in their hearts. They're looking at all this money God just did for them. All this business he just brought to them. And what does Peter say? Do what? (laughs) Go away from me? Why? That's what sin consciousness does to you. It will cause you to pull away from the best thing you ever saw. It will cause you to try to push away the very answer. To all your problems. It'll cause you to judge yourself. Well, it's why people are not in these empty seats tonight. There's all kind of people here in town and all around here. Why aren't they in this church and other churches all around? Why aren't they? Well, those are good, clean people go over there. You know, I've blown it so bad. I've messed up so many times. They don't feel comfortable. They feel, I can't come around God. Man, you know what I've done? You know where I've been. And that sin consciousness causes people to go, "Uh uh-uh, no. No, you go away. I'm going to go away. Uh Uh-uh. I can't be a part of that. Well, there are no people on the planet who have never sinned. There are no people on the planet who've never missed it. 
the people that are being used in this church have made mistakes in the past. Some of them did all kind of dumb stuff back before and years before and not so long ago. But here they are. Here you are working for God. And a whole lot of you came in tonight with your head held up. You ain't ashamed. You're not embarrassed. You don't feel guilty. Yeah, but you did a bunch of stuff. Yeah, but it's under the blood. And God don't even see it. He said, their sins and iniquities I'll remember no more. God don't even see it. He don't even remember it. So I'm not going to bring it up. If somebody tells you, I'm forgetting it, don't bring it up. What should you do? Don't bring it up. Condemnation causes you to draw back and fear. Now go to Hebrews, please, 10th chapter. Hebrews chapter 10. Boy, there's some shouting verses right in here. Mm-mm-mm. See, Peter felt dirty. He felt unclean. He felt inferior next to Jesus. Why did that come on him so much? He knows this is a miracle. Right? He's looking at a manifestation of the holy God. He's looking in the face. Now they didn't know it at the moment that he was the Messiah. Uh, The revelation they had would have been a holy man of God, a prophet. He heard holy words. And in the light of that, not knowing about what Jesus hadn't shed his blood yet, but not knowing about redemption, all he knows is I don't measure up. I'm not good enough to be around this man. I'm not clean enough. Does the devil still use that stuff today? Oh, I mean it's on every side because righteousness has not been taught properly and powerfully and widespread enough sin consciousness has been taught this is a sin and don't do that and that's a sin and you can't do that and this is a sin and, and that's a sin and, and this is a sin and people go yeah, yeah it's, it's all sins and, and they go out and do them and they come back and go oh God I'm a sinner And then they hear it from the pulpit. We're all sinners. Yeah. Yeah. Man, ain't that the truth? It's not the truth. I said it's not the truth. That's why Jesus shed his blood. So we wouldn't have to be just sinners. So we could be clean. So we could be right. We could be holy before God in spite of our failures and mistakes. (laughs) Some folks are getting it. He said. Verse. Chapter 10. Verse 14. Chapter 10. Verse 14. For one offering. By one offering. He has perfected forever. Them that are sanctified. We could shout on that one thing right there. The rest of the night. By one offering. 
How many know it wasn't a bull offering? It wasn't a goat offering. It wasn't a sheep. It was his own blood by that one offering. He's not going to have to do it again. He's not going to have to do it in the future. It's done. It's done by that one offering. He has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Somebody say, that's me. That's me. It's not talking about what you've done. You're sanctified by him, by the blood, by what he's done. You've just believed it and received it. Verse 16. Well, verse 15, excuse me. Whereof the Holy Ghost, what kind of spirit? Holy Holy Spirit or ghost. Also is a witness to us for that after he said before, this is the covenant that I'll make with them after those days, says the Lord. I'll put my laws in their hearts and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. No more. Does God remember your sins? All the junk and stupid stuff that you did before you got saved. Does he remember any of that when he thinks about you? Come on now. Does he remember any of it? Well, how can he not? He said he wouldn't remember it. That ought to be enough for you. How can he do that? He's God. If he says he's not going to remember it, then he doesn't remember it. Just take him at his word. What about stuff you've done since you were a Christian? If you've repented, if you confessed, did he say he was faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness? Then is he remembering that? Is he holding that against you? No. I know one time I came before the Lord and there was this one thing that I had done probably seemed like a hundred times. Now, I'm not talking about adultery. I'm not talking about lying, robbing the bank. Just, you know, the Bible says a him that knows to do good and doesn't do it. Sin can be something you didn't do. And don't raise your hand. Don't testify. But anybody beside me missed it in the same area more than once or twice or 20 times. Well, you know, I did it again. Or didn't do it again, as the case was. Not a, you don't even want to go to the Lord. Now see, what is that? Condemnation. Condemnation. But I knew, I can't not go to the Lord. I mean, <laughs> I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I did it again. Or didn't do it. Further, what was it? 532nd time? I he said, son, as far as I'm concerned, we're only dealing with this one. He said, I don't remember the others. Thank you, Lord. I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but very strong inside me. I thought, well, Keith, that's what the word says, boy. But see, we don't think like that, do we? We come thinking, well, I know he's tired of hearing fooling with me because this is how many times. He doesn't see it. When you're forgiven, you're forgiven. When you're clean, you're clean. When he says, I don't remember it, you're not dealing with 50 mistakes. You're only dealing with this one right here. That's all you're dealing with. Did you get that now? Come on. Did you get that? That's not me thinking. That's not your thinking. That's right here. That's the word. Their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now, keep reading. Now, where remission of these is. 
There is no more offering for sin. Man, there's more in there than most of us have seen. Now, what do you mean? When people, so many times, if they missed it real bad, they, out of pride, they don't want to be restored at once. They want to drag around for a few days and show how bad they feel. And what are they doing? They don't know this, what they're doing, but they're saying the sacrifice that Jesus made is not enough. I've got to add on some of my penance here and prove and some of my works to show how really sorry I am. It is insulting to the blood. Did you hear me? It's insulting. Drag around and mope around and act like you can do something to help pay for it. You never could do anything to fix it. (laughs) That's why Jesus had to come. And he's already done everything to fix it. So there's nothing more to do. Well, I just want to be depressed for a couple of days here to really prove to the Lord. All you're proving to him is you don't believe what he said. You're not receiving what he said. You're trying to add your pitiful little works to what he's done, acting like it wasn't quite enough. Well, I know he did it, but I, I've got to do my part to what? You've already done it. You can't go back and change it. You did it. He either forgives you or he doesn't. It's the blood or it's not. It is. I said out loud, the blood is more than enough. Say it again. The blood is more than enough. The blood alone is more than enough to wash away every sin. The blood alone. 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 Somebody said, you don't believe in penance, Brother Keith? Absolutely no. Find it in the Bible. No. It's works. That's why you got to keep humbling yourself. You have to keep admitting, I can't do anything to fix this. But Jesus has already done everything to fix it. He said, where remission of these is, there is what? Does that mean more to you now? There's what? Once there's remission by the blood, is there any other offering required? There is never and never will be. No more offering for sin. None. Having therefore, brethren, what? Oh, come on now. Come on, stir yourself up a little bit. When you know this. Oh, help me, Jesus. here. When you know that your sins are gone. Not just covered up like they did under the Old Testament. I mean, not covered. They are remitted. They are gone. See, under the Old Testament, the blood of animals covered them. For another year. And then it was another year. No, 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 no. The blood of Jesus does not cover sin. The blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. Remits sin. It's not there. You can't find it. In the spirit. It's gone. There's only one thing in the universe can do that. It's the blood of the lamb. Only one thing in the world. 
knowing that, and knowing that God doesn't even remember what you did, and knowing that you'll never need to do anything else about it, there's no more offering for it. What's the result? What's that next verse say? Having then what? Oh, come on. Do you see it? What happens? What does it do? It gets rid of all your guilt. No more guilt. No more embarrassment. No more shame at all. So what's left? Oh, a holy boldness. A confidence. Oh, glory to God. A confidence that comes up from the inside of you. Boldness for what? Boldness to enter into the holiest. Oh, help us, Lord. Help us with this. Do you know what he's talking about? Under the old covenant, God gave Moses the pattern straight out of heaven. They built a physical pattern representation of what is in heaven. And they had a place that was the holy place. And then they had a place that was the holy of holies. The holiest. Where the presence of God was. Dwelt between the cherubim, the angels of gold, over the ark and the mercy seat. Only the high priest at a certain time could go in there only after he had offered all these sacrifices for himself and under specific precautions. Nobody else dared go in there. Men fell dead for touching the stick that was in the ark handle. People fell dead for lifting up holy incense. I mean, what was being shown? There was no way for man to approach God at that point. God was too holy. Man was too full of sin. Right? Oh, but God had a plan. (laughs) God wasn't satisfied with man being on the outside and him being in the holiest by himself. He wanted to fix it. I already had a plan to fix it. And thank God in the fullness of time, according to the fulfillment of prophecy, Jesus came. He was born of a woman. Holy. And he paid the price. And when he died, the Bible said he brought with his own hands, he brought his own blood to the mercy seat, the holy of holies. And that blood is right there tonight. And the Bible said it speaks better things than Abel's. You know, Cain killed Abel and Abel's blood's crying out, avenge me, avenge me. He's guilty. But the blood of Jesus says something else. The blood of Jesus says, let them in. Let them in. They're innocent. They're clean. They're right. They can come in. Woo, glory to God. And... Because of that, we have boldness. Who's he talking about? He's not talking about a couple of apostles or a couple of prophets. He's talking about every child of God. He just got through saying, they'll all know me. You, I, somebody that's been the worst sinner on the planet that got saved this morning, can come, not just come crawling dragon, can come boldly do you see this do you see this 
How in the world could you come boldly thinking about how many people you had hurt? Thinking about how many people you had stolen from? How in the world could you come boldly before perfect purity? Before perfect holiness? How could you come before perfect holiness knowing the filth that you've been involved in? You couldn't. You wouldn't. You either wouldn't come at all or you'd come groveling. Brother Hagen, my father in the faith that I've referred to so many times. He said uh, 1950, Rockwall, Texas, he was having a tent meeting. And he said, uh, they all were praying. He heard a voice. said, come up. Come up here. He thought it was some man standing on a hill outside the tent, hollering and interrupting the service. He thought one of the ushers would go out there and stop that fellow. Here it came again. A voice. To him, he thought it was somebody outside the tent up above the hill. Come up. Come up here. He thought, well, surely somebody will go stop this guy. And the third time, come up. Come up here. He opened his eyes and he said when he did, the top of the tent just disappeared. (laughs) And he saw the Lord. And he said he left his body. Went up to heaven. The Bible talks about things like this. Paul himself talked about being caught up to the third heaven. And he, so many things that he talks about in his books and what have you, but he says, he said he saw the throne. He saw the winged creatures. He said they're peculiar, strange looking creatures. Of course, you know, they got eyes that go all the way around their head. They look in every direction at once. And multiple wings. And he said he started to look. He said he saw the rainbow. Behind the throne. See when we see the rainbow. God said that's his bow. That's his personal bow. And he put it in the sky. As a a sign of covenant. That never will the world be flooded and destroyed by water again. That's his personal bow. (laughs) That's behind his throne or over his throne. He said he started to look at the one sitting on the throne and he said Jesus was standing beside him and said don't look on his face. No man can live and look on his face. Now that's glory. I said that's glory. If you got a glimpse of his face you couldn't stay in the body. He's wonderful. And he said he turned when the Lord told him that he did. He turned away and looked and he said he looked down at Jesus and he saw his feet. And he started coming up and he said he looked at him. But for the first time, he just looked straight in his face. And he said he was overcome. He said people have asked him, so what did he look like? He said, well, he said the most outstanding feature about him is his eyes. He said, doesn't describe it. He said, but they look like you could look down into them a mile deep. And he said, they're just like living wells of love. And he said he looked at him and he said he was just overwhelmed. He just overwhelmed and he just fell at the master's feet. He said his feet was bare and he put his hands on top of his feet and his head on top of his hands and said, Oh Lord, oh Lord, nobody 
as unworthy as I should look on your face. And here's the thing I wanted you to hear. He said, Lord, nobody is unworthy as I. Now, he's a faith man. He knows the word. But you'd feel that way. He said, nobody is unworthy as I should look on your face. He said, the Lord said to him, stand up. He said, when he said it, <laughs> it was like you didn't think about not standing up. He said, you just, you're almost up before you think about it. He said, stand up. He said it again, stand upright on your feet. So he did. He said he stood there trembling. He said the Lord looked at him and said, I have made you worthy to look on my face. Does that do anything for you? Is that in line with this book? I have made you worthy. See, it takes faith to receive this, doesn't it? It takes humility to yield to it. But it is reality in Christ. Forget about how you feel. Forget about your memories. This is more important. Right? And if this says you are righteous, then you are. If it says you've been made holy, then you have been. If he says he doesn't remember your sins, then he doesn't. I have made you worthy. Well, how else could we make heaven? How else could we fellowship with him forever? We couldn't make ourselves that way. So has he made us worthy? Then we are. I said, then we are. Has he made us holy? Has he made us right? Then we are. We are. Right now, we are. We are. Forget how you feel about it. You are. I am. And can you sense that? The more you meditate on that, and the more you talk about it, and the more you think about that, what happens to you? Fears begin to just melt away. Timidity and bashfulness just begins to go to the side. What happens to you? You begin to get bold. Not arrogant, not pushy, just confident. Right? Confident. Why? Confident. That's why he said, having therefore, come on verse 19, read it with me now. I'll read it out loud, you listen. Having, brethren, boldness, boldness. One translation says liberty, freedom, to enter into what place? Not the outside. Not the holy place. What place? The holiest place. The holy of holies. Didn't the Bible say, let us therefore come boldly before the... Is there any higher place you could go? Before the throne of grace. Come in there how? How could you come in there boldly? When you know this. When you know this. Wouldn't hurt you. Wouldn't hurt me. Just go around all day and all night when we think about it saying, he's made me worthy. I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm clean. He remembers no sin concerning me. When he sees me, all he sees is the righteousness of Jesus. Because I'm in him. Build this consciousness into us. He said, 
Having, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest, the holiest. How? Only one way. One way. By the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. He did it by his blood. He did it through his body. And having a high priest over the house of God, we know somebody in there. Oh, come on now. We got a brother in there. And the one on the throne is our father. Why should we be so scared? We got family in there. He said, having a high priest over the house of God, whoever lives to make intercession for us, let us do what? Verse 22, let us what? Let us draw near with a true heart in what? Full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from what? No more, no more guilty conscience. No more bad conscience. No more condemnation. And our bodies washed with the pure water and hold fast to the profession or confession of your faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. Glory to God. What does sin consciousness do? You saw it with Peter. What does it make you do? It makes you draw back and fear. Makes you say, oh, no, no, I can't do that. Lord, I couldn't talk to them about you. I'm not right myself. No, I can't preach after what I've done. No, I couldn't believe you to heal my baby. I messed up too much. I know I, I don't deserve it. We, my family don't deserve it. It makes you draw back. It makes you cower. It makes you fear because you're conscious of all your mistakes and your failures and your sin. Oh, but what about righteousness consciousness? What about being conscious of the blood and the sacrifice and your mediator at the right hand of majesty on high? What happens? We just got through reading it. It causes you to be, condemnation causes you to draw back in fear. This righteousness consciousness, conscious of the blood, causes you to be bold and draw near. What did the Bible say? You draw near to God and what? Didn't say run away from God and he'll manifest himself to you. What? Can you see what's happening to so much of the world? They're running from God. They're scared of God. They think God's against them. So they're staying away from church and away from the Bible. And, and it's just getting worse and worse and worse and worse. No, draw near to him and what? He will draw near to you. Forget about what people think about what you say. you got to stand up and say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm clean as though I never made a mistake. Amen. Amen. Who do you think you are? Well, you obviously don't know who you are, but I'm finding out. It causes you to be bold, to step up and to draw near. What happens when you step towards him and you draw near and you say, Lord, I'm going to come boldly right into your throne room. I know it's only by the blood that I can do it, but I can do it. Here I come. Here I come. I can resist the devil in Jesus' name and he has to leave me. I know it. I have the authority in Jesus' name. What happens when you do that? He responds. You draw near to him. He draws near to you. You step out. That's faith. Can you say amen? Amen. 
Go to 1 John. I think we'll close with this. You've already read it, but I want you to read it again. I got to point one. <laughs> it is a good point. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, glory. I'd have preached myself happy. I tell you. Mm-mm-mm. I could chew on this tonight and tomorrow. No more condemnation. No more condemnation. Well, I need to give you another scripture. Are you in 1 John 3? Go ahead and find Romans 8. And we'll go from that one to that one. And I think we'll be there. No promises. Main thing is not getting through. Did you know that? A lot of people get confused about that. They think the main thing is getting through. 1 John 3. We just got through reading it, but let's read it again. I think it will mean more to us now. 1 John 3.20. If our heart. What? Now, this is not God condemning you. Sometimes you hear people say, boy, you know, I got in there and it's preaching on that. God really condemned me about some stuff. No, he didn't. Mm-mm. No, no, sir, no, ma'am. Holy Spirit does not condemn. Period. He will convict you. So it's the same thing. Absolutely not the same thing. He works to convince you of something. To show it to you. Now when you see light. And if you're not right with it. Then you can feel condemnation. But what is condemning you? Do you see this right here? What's condemning? Not him. It's what? Your own heart. That's you, not God. But if our heart condemn us not, what happens? Then we have confidence, confidence, confidence. So why don't people have confidence? See, this is what I touched on earlier that a lot of folk got quiet on. Why don't people have confidence? Why are so many Christians so fearful and insecure? Well, according to this verse, condemnation. Is that right? They are in condemnation. They have a sense of guilt and shame about them. Whether they're hiding it or what they're doing with it, there is something in them. They feel guilty. They feel embarrassed. They feel ashamed. And it will cause you to not have confidence. And if there is this lack of confidence, there has to be condemnation. The thing is, sometimes people have lived with that same condemnation for 30 years. Same stuff. It's been there. They live with it day in, day out. They're used to it. But it's what's robbing them of their confidence. It's what makes people confused. But if your heart doesn't condemn you, what? Then we have confidence Toward God. So what do we do then? Verse 22. We just step right up. To the throne of God. And just ask. Just as big as you please. Is that right? And just have the boldness to believe we receive. I'll take a healing. Thank you very much. (laughs) 
Yes, and I'll have two scoops of prosperity today. Thankful, but confident. All you got to do is go back to the Gospels and see who got their healings. The woman with the issue of blood. Jesus is not having a healing line. He didn't say, y'all line up and we're going to lay hands on you. She didn't even ask him if it'd be all right for her to get a healing. She just pushed through the crowd and took a healing. And that's why when Jesus stopped, she was scared. Because she knew she took one. Without even asking. She didn't care whether people believed it was his will or it's not his will or not always. Or we don't know. She forgot about all that. And she just said, he's got healing. I'm going to go get me one. And she pressed through there and she touched him and with her faith took a healing. And he stopped in his tracks and said, who? Who touched me? This took some time. Eventually, his disciples said, Lord, a lot of people touched you. He said, somebody touched me. (laughs) Okay, somebody touched him. And the Bible said she was back in the crowd. She had backed back in the crowd. She's going, "Uh uh-oh, he may want it back. (laughs) She didn't know anything. Except she kept saying, if I may touch the hem of his clothes, I'll be healed. When I touch, I'm going to be healed. When I touch, I'm going to be healed. Not mamby-pamby, wish-washy, wavery. Maybe it's his will. Maybe it's not. Y'all pray. We don't know. Whatever, you know, the Lord wants. Mm -mm. Pushed right through there in her weak condition and took her a healing. Finally, she saw he's not going to leave. He just keeps standing there. Finally, she came and said, it was me. And the Bible said she told him all the truth, what she did about all of her doctors and all of her stuff she did. And what the Bible say he said? Well, you should have checked and see if it was the will of God before you just come taking a healing. Uh uh-uh. what do he say? What do he say? What do he say? Daughter, be happy, be a good cheer, don't be scared. If everything's fine, it's great. Your faith has made you whole. Is he endorsing this? Is he encouraging this? Yeah. She's not in there because she sat in her house while they went by and sang Kumbaya. Lord, if you don't mind. Come by and touch me if it's your will. And Now see, people have preached this as Christianity. It never was. I said it never was. And it's not today. Faith is not arrogant. But it is bold. It's bold to just push right on through and take yourself a healing. <laughs> Nobody's talking about healing or having a healing line. It's bold. Come boldly before the throne of grace. 
We do that every Sunday for sure almost, don't we? You know, if you heard me, I quote that. That's why as a family, we come before the Lord. We say, Lord, we're coming before you. Boldly right into the presence before the throne of God. Asking you for grace to help these people that raise their hand. Right? What? We're not coming as beggars. Why? We've been invited in here. We're part of the family. We've got a right to be here. We've got a right to say these things and do these things. And it's that confidence that is faith. Romans 8. I've gone plenty long, but you ought to read this. Don't want to short you. Romans 8. We're going to read the first verse. Then we're going to read the last verses. Then I think we're going to go home. You think you could lay in the bed and be glad tonight? Think about and talk about, oh, glory to God. He's made me worthy to stand before his face. Romans 8, verse 1. Read it out loud real strong. There is, therefore, now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh... But after the Spirit, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. (laughs) Sin will not reign over me anymore. I've been made free from the law of sin and death. I've been made free. Why? Because of the law. A greater law, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Now, he goes through, I mean, this whole chapter, as you know, is just wonderful. And it builds. And in verse uh, 33, Romans 8, 33, he says, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifies. He's not accusing us. Who is he that condemns? Not Christ. Christ's the one that died and is risen again and is at the right hand of God making intercession for me. So he's not condemning me. If he'd wanted me to be condemned and you to be condemned, all he had to do is nothing. Because we were. He came so we wouldn't be condemned. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? He gets to preaching here now. Can you, can, can you hear he gets sassy too, don't he? Yeah. What? <laughs> Who? What? Can separate us from the love of Christ. And don't separate this from what we just got through reading. What was he talking about? How did he start this chapter off? There is no condemnation. What can separate us from our righteousness? What can put us back in the box of guilt and shame? What sin can be so bad that God says, no, I don't love you anymore. I don't want anything to do with you. No, that's too bad. No, no. What does it say? Oh, he gets to preaching. What can separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation? No. Nah. Distress? No. Nah. Persecution? No. Famine? Nakedness? Peril? Sword? What's bad enough? What's big enough? What's terrible enough? Verse 37. What does he say? What do we say? No, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. 
more than conquerors. He said, I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other thing in creation will ever, I would say, be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing. Nothing I've ever done. Nothing I'll ever do. Why? Because I'm in Christ Jesus. I'm by the blood. I'm free. Stand on your feet, why don't you? This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.